0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great, but sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including the one with Emily Aries, author and founder of Boss Up, who shares career challenges and opportunities. Or last week's with former professional hockey player and high school coach, Trent Eigner, who talks about his mental and physical transformation. Now, if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now, for this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Kimberly King, the Safety mom. She's a three-time author, sexual assault prevention facilitator, and crisis counselor who creates simple tools for parents and kids to cope with hardship. And she is here today to share her story and some suggestions on talking about hard topics with our kids. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Kimberly King, the safety mom. She's a three-time author, mother, sexual assault prevention facilitator, and crisis counselor who creates simple tools for parents and kids to cope with hardship. Kimberly is all about, as she says, preparing, not scaring kids and parents as well about these tough situations. And she knows firsthand. Kimberly is here to share her story and some kid-friendly strategies for families to use today and beyond. She's a highly recommended resource by national prevention organizations and has been seen in a ton of national media, including U.S. News & World Report, The Chicago Tribune, Modern Mom, Pop Sugar, and Harvard Graduate School of Education, to name a few. Now, while the topics can be heavy, our hope is that this episode today will make you feel more comfortable talking about hardship with your kids at any age. Thank you so much for being here today, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Well, and I love to think back to how I got connected to whomever my guests might be. And so many of them (laughs) I really haven't met. But for you, I don't even know. I don't think it was social media. I think maybe a publicist connected me with you when I was building our Healthy Holiday Gift Guide and I wanted some like educational, um,
1: but (laughs) kid-friendly gifts. Yes, that's what it was. And I think I saw your book at the Fairfield. Is there a bookstore in there Fairfield? There is. There yes, is a that's Fairfield. where I saw your book. Yeah, the, it was the, I think the University Bookstore or maybe the Barnes & Noble. I can't remember.
0: Yes, yes, yes. It's so funny from one author to another. But yes. uh, it's kind of fun how this all works out. And, you know, who knows if 20, 30 years ago, if the connections would be what they are today. But I... Um, I, I loved, uh, the, what's, what's your, the book that you and your daughter wrote? Um, we fit- wrote,
1: a yeah, finding your fit, finding your so fit. That, that's the one that you, um, took a look at and recommended in your gift guide. And that's just a little book I wrote with my daughter about, you know, trying to find health and wellness and, and being able to learn how to like manage your eating and, and also kind of like self-talk, how to boost your self-esteem when you're, you know, a young girl going through all the things that girls and boys go through. So yeah, we wrote...
0: I I remember it being... Just It's really powerful, and I think as we'll continue with this, the, the and actually dig into the interview about how, what I love about your books is that, of course, it comes from the wisdom of a parent, but also from that of a child with experience. And I loved the book, her this book that you wrote with her, um, was just a little different because it covered it with pretty wellness you know and those who follow me know that i'm not just about one solution i'm about several solutions and finding those right tools that work and that's what the book spoke to and i even think i brought it on tv with me with a, one of the wtnh Yeah, she did. That's right. That's
1: right. That's the first time the book was on TV. Actually, it's probably been a while since that book has been on TV. Well, So
0: so I'm really excited, Kimberly, to have you here today. And finally, we get a chance to talk, I guess. Is this considered in real life? Because we really are talking together, but we're not sitting next to each other.
1: I know we are. It's great. And you know, if if the pandemic were over, we can go have some coffee another time. That that would be great. Coffee, so, juice, green tea, whatever we so. Yes. Or go on a walk. You know, perfect.
0: I'd say kids in tow, but they're getting a little older here. So, uh, um, so. Okay. Let us jump in. We talked about your first book was about healthy living. Your, I don't know if it's your second book, but the story we're going to talk about today has to deal with uh, a situation that you and your son dealt with. And so I'd love to turn it over to you to share the story in your own words.
1: Sure. So my son, when he was about four years old, had an incident at a sleepover and it wasn't like we were busy doing sleepovers when the kids were little, but I had just had a new baby and um, my baby who was 4 days old had to go back to the hospital because he had jaundice and at the time I was a navy wife with a deployed husband and I counted on my neighbors for a lot of help and they were usually, you know, very helpful. And on this particular night I left my son and my daughter with very good friends. Um, That we had known for about two and a half years. And I was at the hospital with my baby. And I, I did get one of those weird feelings. I got a feeling like something was wrong. But I talked myself out of that feeling, saying to myself, Oh, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. I just had a baby. I'm, you know, I talked myself right out of that. And I got through the night with my little sick baby, came home in the morning, and when I picked my son and my daughter up, my son was visibly upset, and he basically ran out of the house and crumpled in my arms and told me he had a rough night and that his friend spent most of the night trying to trick him into doing things with his private parts. So he told me right away, which was was great that he told me because I had spent some time teaching the kids about well, I focused on stranger danger. I had this paranoia that for some reason my kids, you know, might talk to the the man in the van and get kidnapped or, you know, I had all these crazy myths that I believed in. Um, but yeah. I did teach them about body boundaries and I did t- tell them, you know, if anybody ever tries to do anything with you you know just let me know tell me um and we talked about privacy and how private parts are just for them so he told me and and then and he's (laughs) four that's that's seemingly
0: young but to your point thankfully at such a young age you started talking about this
1: yeah. And that's the, the key. I mean, I, I did blame myself for the whole night because I was just like, Oh, well, I could have done something else. I should have done this. So, oh, if I would have left them with cousin from down the road. But yeah, I mean, some things some with, especially with little kids, you know, if, if they are trained and versed in body boundaries, body safety, and if they know that if anything happens, they can tell you and they're not going to be in trouble, then, then sometimes they tell. So he told me, but, um, what happened afterwards, my reaction to that was not, I mean, I was really scared and it, it, Made me worry about him, it triggered some things from my past, and so I did not receive that report very well. I kind of freaked out, <laughs> uh, which you're not supposed to do, so I didn't freak out on him, but i I went in and confronted the mom, and I was like upset, and you know it it that day probably made my son feel worse because I was so upset, and he also didn't really tell me the whole story until a few days later because I was so upset. So that's how it started. And anyway, we just started chatting about, you know, what happened, how he felt, and he wanted to talk about it. So we kept talking about it. And uh, I asked the doctor what I should do. He told me, oh, well, if if you just ignore it, you know, he'll stop talking about it and it'll go away. No. Yeah.
0: Is that (laughs) is that the type of advice that we should be taking?
1: I, no. Okay. <laughs>
0: no. I just wanted...
1: Definitely. No. I mean, I was. I didn't think so. I, yeah, I thought he was going to tell me. Well, you need to get a therapist, and you need to go to the police, and you know. But anyway, um, so what happened was basically kids are curious, and you know, lots of kids play doctor, and they're curious about body parts, and you know, occasionally they'll look and they'll touch, and and that is pretty much developmentally normal, and not something to completely go bonkers about it's a a teachable moment where you know you can say to your child if they tell you oh well you know we're not supposed to touch each other's privates you can be curious if you have a question ask me you know your parts are private blah 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 but this went past that this was um the child was using the language that was highly manipulative and he was trying to trick him and then bribe him and then he actually blackmailed him wow And how old is he? So, this child was six, and my son was four and a half. So, they were young. Yeah, very young. And so, now in discovering all, you know, researching sexual abuse, and I became a facilitator with Darkness to Light, and I like read every book. And so, it, it turns out that that little boy he didn't just learn that on his own, you know? So long story short, he had been abused by someone. Uh, yeah. So it it was like a ripple effect and a six year old is not technically a sexual abuser, right? Like that's just not even possible. He was a victim too. (laughs) So, um, it just is this ripple effect that happens. And that's, that's why I wrote the book because there were no stories and no information for parents about, real things that can really happen to real kids it's it's not the the man in the van so much it's it's people that we know
0: so talk to us about in terms of writing the book just like we were talking about with your daughter you wrote this book with your son and how was that for him and even for you knowing the experience that you both had been through
1: Yeah, it was actually a really therapeutic tool for both of us because he has always been an artist and he loves writing, even when he was like two years old. So we started just journaling about it. He had a journal, I had a journal and he would draw pictures and I would, you know, he would dictate and I would write and he would try to write some letters. But he he would write things in his journal like um, I felt I felt stupid because my friend tricked me and then we would talk about that and um he he would write down things that he did in on that night like how he got out of it so he wrote that he he told the mom he felt sick and he had a tummy ache and then we talked about how that was an exit strategy like saying that to the mom she wouldn't help him when when she when he reported like what was happening she said oh just go back to bed you'll be fine stop messing around Right. Hmm. <laughs> so he, he ended up having to solve his own problem. He told her he was going to be sick and he went in the bathroom and he shut the door and he spent the whole night in the bathroom because he was four and we didn't even have cell phones back then. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was a little, it was scary for him. And you know, the thing that was so, so scary for him was just the fact that he couldn't, escape the situation entirely. Like he just wanted to go home. (laughs) He didn't. And, you know, it was right down the street, but I was, you know, at the hospital. So that was, it was scary. He felt trapped and the mom, the adult didn't help him. So we started writing scenarios in, in the journals about, okay, well, what, what can we tell kids? How can we help kids, you know, figure out what to do, like how you figured out to do. And and we would, we generated some scenarios. Okay. What would you do if this happened? And what would you do if that happened? And we talked through this think, say, do strategy where we, we realized that like what the value of like rehearsing, rehearsing these types of real kids scenarios is that when you do that, kids develop their own solutions. And when kids do their own thinking, they remember it more. And so that was kind of like the magical moment with all of our journals, and I, and then we were both like, we should we should see if this book can help some other kids, and and then it kind of took off from there.
0: I mean, I'm still. First, let me just say whether it's to you, Kimberly, or to whoever our listeners out there, I wish I had some wise words. I'm sitting here in awe, and I even knew some of the story. As a parent, as a human, for any person, let alone a little kid, both kids in this situation, I just, I I am so, you know, and then on the flip side, I'm so grateful for people like you who have gone and are trying to create tools or do something about it so that it could be easier for other people. Because I can't imagine when you said that, when you heard the news that you yeah, I don't remember your, your um, dramatic tone towards it, but I, I feel yeah. like I would have been the same thing. Like we as parents, yeah. all we want to do is make sure that our kids are happy and safe and, and loved and all that. So I think yeah. whenever something horrible happens, you know, we, we shouldn't judge ourselves. We just got to do what we've got to do. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you are – have created these tools and that it sounds like you and he together
1: coped. We did. We, we worked on it together and it, it helped me as much as it helped him, you know, process his feelings. And for me though, it triggered some memories that I had suppressed from college because I was actually a victim of sexual assault. And I told my mom back back in 1988, I told my mom, but, you know, she told me not to tell anybody and that I should come home from school. So my mom didn't have the tools to help me. And so I ended up just diving into this topic even way back in 1988, 89, I became a peer educator. So I've been kind of connecting the dots backwards. And yeah. I've realized that, like, kind of what I do was the beginning of it was the trauma that I experienced. And instead of dealing with it, I just dove into the topic of helping other people. And that's just, it's just a natural kind of path, the path that my life has taken. Um, But it's interesting about kids and parents having tools, because if, if parents don't have this information, then they don't have the tools, then this type of thing is very easily missed. And what's interesting and scary is that and I don't mean to scare anybody, but I'm just going to tell you the statistic: seventy percent of children never tell anyone. So the stats on this this thing are completely underreported. We really don't know what the cases are. So well, so
0: what do you recommend? Do you have any tips that you can share? I mean, I know you have tips, and I'd love for you to share them with us because here is the worried parent on this end, and I'm sure uh, there are so many of us like obviously we love and we care for our kids and we want them to be safe and
1: uh,
0: we also want them to live. So
1: yes, exactly. And you don't want to scare them to death and you don't want to wrap them in, you know, they can't be in bubble wrap and you can't like keep them in the house all the time. I mean, we've been doing that, but actually, um, keeping the pandemic has actually caused a rise in this type of reporting we're seeing a lot of that now like an increase in sexual abuse reports at child advocacy centers all around the country. So there are definitely some things that you can do though for parents that you can do like starting today. Okay. And one of the things and they're and they're pretty simple they're they're not super overwhelming. So I'm I'm just going to share with you like my top 3 or 4 because I could go on forever about this but um one of the most important things is teaching your children the anatomically correct body parts and having them know those early. And there's two reasons for that. One is for reporting. So if your child calls their penis, uh, you know, a a willy dilly or or whatever, if something happens to your child and they do have an incident and they report to an adult the adult receiving the report might not know their word and they might not know your child's words so there can be a lack of communication and this happened to me when i was a first year teacher a little girl came up to me and told me her dad took her cookie and now i was busy with 25 kids and so i said oh you know don't worry about your dad tell him not to take your cookie and i brushed it off and the little girl came back to me the next day and she was kind of teary eyed. And she said, Miss King, my dad took my cookie again. And so oh I gosh. took a minute. Yeah, it was it was horrible. I, but like so in my heart, she her look and like I said, OK, can you point to where your cookie is? And when she pointed, my heart dropped. I felt so guilty. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know her word. And so I missed it for a day and that little girl had to go home and have another bad night with her father and I missed it. And she told me and I missed it. So I, you know, I felt awful. So that's one way. The word is really important because then it can't be missed. And then the the second thing. Yeah. And I think it's okay if you have silly words in your family and, you, you know, but you can have both. It's important that they need the actual word though and the other thing um so predators <clears throat> when they're when they're grooming when they're doing their grooming process and you know they're trying to figure out if if your child is a easy target if your child knows those words and if your child can say oh that's my private part and i know my body rules and you know if they can even just use those terms that gives a red flag to predators that your child is probably not a good target. And that comes from incarcerated predators. There is a woman that I work with who um, interviews people that are in jail and she asks them like, why did you choose your victim? And usually it's, it's the person that they find who is the easiest target that doesn't know anything about their body. And, and just isn't educated on that topic that's just like a green flag so anyway so body parts you got to know them for two reasons so that's my first tip um the second one is a little lighter teaching kids about consent okay. <laughs> and <laughs> so you, I, I think i've scared you now um uh, but teaching kids about consent from an early age so when you have little kids you know, teaching them their whole body is private, that it's a bubble. And if somebody wants to come in and give them a hug or whatever, if they want to wrestle or chase each other, play tag, we we have to teach them from an early age about consent. And so like asking for hugs instead of just taking hugs. And, you know, grandparents do this a lot, like, oh, come give grandma a hug. And, you know, I, I was the person who got hugged. By my aunt Lavinia and my parents made me hug her. So I think we have to move more towards like teaching kids about how they have the right to say yes and no to like hugs and unwanted touch. And then we need to go further and teach them about the private parts and how those have special rules and that nobody can touch them no matter what. And if anybody tries, then they come report to you so that's consent and then the third most important thing i think especially that it, that's that you can implement today is teaching your your children or implementing a no a no secret rule so secrets are tricky for kids because you know sometimes there's good secrets and there's bad secrets and there's surprises and all of that and when they're little It's hard to distinguish. And again, if your child is in a grooming situation, secrets are used to figure out if they're a good target. So let's just say, for instance, that your child is, oh, I don't know, at baseball practice and has a close relationship with their coach and the coach is driving your child home as a favor and he says, oh, let's go get ice cream, just don't tell mom. That might be a totally benign secret, but it might not. And, and once somebody who is trying to groom your child finds out that they will keep a little secret, then they'll keep testing and they, they do testing secrets. And if your child does keep secrets, that's, you know, another indicator that like, oh, this child might be a good target because he's already keeping scripts from his parents. So it's, no secret rule is the best way to go. Um, there's a little video I have up on YouTube. I'll, I'll send you the link after. And it explains to parents like how to distinguish between explaining to your kids what a, what a secret is and like, what a surprise birthday is and, and what's the difference. And so I like to tell parents the difference is that a surprise, like a surprise birthday is something that is planned and that is always going to come out it's meant to come out, and it 's a happy thing, and a secret is different and then we go into that in the video, so I love that
0: i I was just thinking to myself as you're sitting here talking, and it got just got so real when thinking about how. Every day in life, there's so many touch points of our kids that yeah. our kids have, especially the older they get. And yeah. and, and now, you know, my, my child's a tween, almost a teenager, and he's he's testing his, the boundaries. And so mm-hmm. I, I hope that most stories come out to us at night, whatever they might be. But I know mm-hmm. there's plenty that don't. And, you know, hopefully, like you said, that they're benign, that they're not anything to be afraid of. But this is some these are thank you these are really useful tips that as you're sitting here and and the planned versus the non-planned I think is huge when it comes to secrets a surprise birthday party is a really good analogy I'm going to use that I feel like I'm taking notes right now for my own conversations (laughs) and by the way for those who are listening I will put them in the show notes so you don't have to take notes you can just um sit back and enjoy or or learn and be educated in terms of what Kimberly's talking about here. So, um, I mean, wow, this is really helpful. This is really powerful. Is there anything else that you want to share to us in terms of, of being prepared and having these not so easy conversations with our children? Like that's part of the hurdle too.
1: Is I, I get, you know, the thing about a lot of this is that we all bring our emotional baggage to this topic. Everybody's got, you know, a little bit of uncomfortableness with it for what whatever reason. You might have been a victim, you might have just been raised in a different way where you never talked about this stuff and you also might think that that this will never affect you. So <clears throat> there's different reasons, but I think that one of the one of the easiest things to do is to to buy and not just my book but to to buy a few books because books on this topic are like a very calm way to just introduce tricky the tricky topics and difficult topics and there's a couple of great books that i recommend and they're all different so you might my book is more comprehensive and covers, you know, a little bit of everything and then has an interactive piece to it where you where you stop and you talk to your parent about whatever the topic is on each page. So, um my book is more comprehensive, but then there's a lot of other great books like Janine Sanders is an author who wrote a book called Some Secrets Are Not Meant to Be Kept. And that's a great book. And then there's another book called Who Has What, which teaches body parts in a very kid-friendly, lighthearted, not scary way. Um, and then there's another great book called My Voice is My Superpower by by Sharia Schultz. It's amazing because it's like kids empowering kids. So I will send to you a list of like my top 10 books they are all great, all a little bit different and come at at the topic in a different angle. What's also important, I think, is that you start early. So, you know, just start early and gently with the topic when your perfect time is potty training. You know, when you're teaching your kids to take care of themselves and clean themselves, that's a perfect time to start talking about the body parts and just lightly start talking about the rules and Just talk about it. Talking about it helps. And a prepared parent and an educated family just is a less attractive target.
0: Thank you. And I want to jump in here. Your book, because I'm not even sure we said it, is titled I Said No, A Kid-to-Kid Guide to Keeping Private Parts Private by Zach and Kimberly King. So what I'm going to do, again, for all of you who are listening, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're on a walk. I will put these in the show notes so that you'll have the links there that you can go in and you can check any of them out. The other thing that I like, I want to throw out there is okay, my kid isn't that young anymore, and but yes. I will tell you, and this is um, this is a silly little um, side story here is when I was a sophomore in college. I was having a really rough cementer, cementer, semester <laughs> um, academically, right? And, and yeah. so I would call my mom and I'd cry and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not doing well. I'm taking U.S. History of Geology or, you know, a Geology class. All these things I wasn't interested in. I had to take it. Nonetheless, I wasn't doing well. So my mother, and here's the point, my mother, a <laughs> few days later, sent in the mail the book to me, The Little Engine That Could. Okay, I'm totally tearing up now. You know, she <laughs> was trying. she was trying to be a cheerleader for me with oh. such a simple message. And here I was, like, a 19-year-old. And oh so gosh. what I have done, and even though my my child's in a different headspace than I was then, right? He's, you know, 12. But I still think using children's books, even when they get older, can be a good starting point. Now, yes. I, you know, I think, will my son roll his eyes at me if I whip out the, you know, the, the book and start <laughs> talking about it? I, I think he will, but I do... Um, It's just, it'll be easy for him to understand, and it'll be easy for us to get through a conversation that's simple. And so while some of the books you mentioned are probably more elementary, I still gravitate. And again, this is me, but I encourage people, if you're looking for books, don't discount it just because it's meant for somebody younger.
1: Yeah, it's really perfect for like a five to 10-year-old, but like what you said, On the cover, there's a little boy holding a red flag, and so in the book we teach red flags on you know behaviors and when to when to raise a red flag when you feel uncomfortable or you're worried or whatever. So it, it basically lays these lessons at an early age about teaching emotional intelligence and teaching how to identify problems and how to create solutions. So if you read it early and you you're a tween you know, this topic, it does grow with you because it's not like you can read a book like this or other books and then just drop it. You can't just read a book once and assume that that's going to be enough. So you have to like for a tween, I would say, you know, you've got to start having those conversations about the birds and the bees, but you also have to teach about consent and review that again and eventually you're going to have to talk about online safety probably now if you have a tween that has a phone so online safety and you know what that looks like and then you move more into like the uh the drinking and consent and and what that all looks like because when we send our kids off to college like i when i went to college you know god rest my mother's soul um, she passed away this year. And I was thinking about her because, I, you know, she was an amazing mother, but this was not her forte. And I knew nothing when I went to college, nothing. So I, I trusted everybody. I assumed everybody was as kind hearted as nice as I was. And I, you know, they weren't. <laughs> so when you're sending your kids off to college, they really need to be prepared for like, what consent looks like and can you give consent when you're drinking and when someone is intoxicated and and like, how do you handle those situations? So these are the discussions that if you start early and you and you're open and you're communicating with no judgment and, you know, it just develops slowly over time. Then when your teen lets God forbid your teen has a tr- some kind of trouble online and he's made a mistake. Which kids do online. They make mistakes all day long, but you want them to be able to come to you and say, Oh my God, mom, I made this big mistake. I I sent a picture to my friend and I shouldn't have. Instead of saying, Oh my God, my mom is going to kill me. You know, (laughs) you want, you want to have that open relationship because it's going to carry through in every stage of their development.
0: Thank you. I am just taking so many notes here, and I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation because I think as a parent, it just we've heard it so many times. It takes a village, and wherever you can get that inspiration to act the way you want to act, like the way I want to act, and the way I want to parent may be different than my neighbor, may be different than you, may be different than uh, so many people. But it's at least for me, it's finding. finding a course to take. And in my case, my husband and I are doing it together, finding our way. And I will that's tell you great. something else that has been really helpful. And I, I love the school district I live in. And also one of our health teachers, she is amazing. I, I um, She would email us the topics that are going to be discussed before they are being discussed. Oh,
1: that's and great. And I
0: thought that is amazing because gave me as the parent a heads up, this is what they're going to talk about. And it gave me the opportunity to probe at the dinner table or even late at night and just be like, so what are you learning about this? And what are you learning about that? Without waiting for him to be like, so what'd you learn in health today? Like I'll bring Mm -hmm. up the topic. And so I'm really, um, I, I love her style. I think she's smart and, and I think she's gotta be, I can speak for my own. She's great for my kid, but definitely I think. And so, you know, for all the teachers out there, I know that, that it's not just health class, whether it's this subject or all the other subjects out there, they, they give their life, they give their heart. They really try and raise our kids, you know, not just with the academics. At least I'll speak for our school district. um, Yes, they they, do. They do a
1: great job. Right. You
0: were talking about you as a teacher, right? You're, you're there for, um, a trusting adult, someone to help mentor and guide. And so, That's right. um, That that just uh, warmed my heart when we were talking about that. So um, anyway, I know you may not say it, but I can brag a little bit about you. The book that we were just (laughs) talking about that you and your son wrote, I said no, is award winning. Uh, You won a mom's choice award for it. And it has updated and revised editions as well. So that's amazing. Can you share with us, like, what are you working on now that's keeping you excited and moving forward? Oh,
1: wow. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, overdoing myself lately, but you know the pandemic made me get way more productive on my, my writing and my books, but it also kind of shifted me into serving the community. I just moved back to Connecticut after being a Navy wife and being away for, I don't know, 22 years or something. So, um, right now, um, I am working with the Rowan Center in Stanford. They're um, a crisis center, sexual abuse prevention and assault um, center. They they serve the whole area of Fairfield County, so I took a big training with them and I do the crisis hotline, which is, oh, I, I just encourage everybody listening to this call to Hop over to the Rowan Center and and take the training that they offer because it was eye opening to me and I'm I'm supposed to be you know this expert and I learned so many things just from their training like there's always new things to learn on this topic so I volunteer with them and then I just connected with the Malta House in 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 Norwalk um, and they are a homeless shelter that. Is helping pregnant moms with like healthy pregnancies and then teaching them parenting skills and sort of starting them off the right way and you know supporting them. So, what we just set up yesterday was a really cool collaboration where I'm going to be going over there with the Rowan Center and we're going to be teaching the moms about prevention from the start, which is what I wish everybody could do. (laughs) So, that's just like a dream come true. We're going to do a little um fundraiser, I'm gonna donate some books and we're gonna try and get a bunch of books donated so that you know they always have those books to give and then we'll put together a really cool program. So that's been exciting for me. Um and then I'm teaching in Westport. I, I teach at St. Paul in Westport. It's a little it's an adorable little private school. Oh. And oh my gosh. So my kids are all grown up now. I have a 16 year old, a 21 year old and a 23 year old. And so I get to go hang out with kindergartners every day. And it is amazing, like I love them, oh, they are the best medicine for anything you know they just are so oh,
0: I, uh, I and it's it's wild because I'm not that far away from that, but yet I'm not that close. like my son is literally in sixth grade, so kindergarten <laughs> he's like in the midpoint between kindergarten and then between graduating high school, and it's okay. so weird. And I mean, it sounds like you you continue to do amazing things. I'm am, I'm really, really happy that you came on to share your wisdom with the listeners and for me. Oh, um, thank you, you know, so much. And for much. the world. And I'm so grateful, which leads me right into the way I love to end these episodes. And I know because as you've been a listener to the podcast that you know about the Grateful Game and I was hoping that you would play. Okay, I'll play. You will play. Okay, so for those of you that are new to me, here's what we do to close out each episode. We play what I call the grateful game. My son and I made it up when he was nine. He's now 12. And it was just a way for us to um, share our day with each other and focus a little bit on the positive. We talk about what we're grateful for and why. And of course, as the competitive nine-year-old that he was and the competitive 12-year-old that he still is, he had to tie me and he had to... uh, count who had more. But as the loving mom that I am... For some reason he still always wins right <laughs> all right so here we go um i'm gonna give us i'll give us a minute and i'll okay. i will kick it off i'll start and then i will toss it to you so okay. um i think by nature of this conversation and and for those of you that don't know like I, I plan enough i read up on the guests enough but it's not scripted i've got some questions and so when we sat here and we were talking about the health teacher at our middle school and i i want to tear up she's amazing And I didn't even think of the time how grateful I am to her. I'm going to say it here in the Grateful Game. Bridget, I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful for that school. It's such a hard year for so many people. And I think um, I I am just grateful for all the work that the teachers, the administrators, some of which I know, Karen, who I haven't even seen yet because we've all been so um, distant, but they're, they're amazing and I'm grateful for them. Um, I'm also grateful for where it all began for us. My son's first preschool and Aww. his um, he went to like pre-K there too. And it was daycare because I went back to work at 16 weeks uh, it was the Goddard school. And there are a number of them. They're franchise based, but ours was like family owned and the staff was great. was really wonderful to him And the moms there, the moms there, we, when they say it takes a village, I think all of us parents out there, we know, you know, you talked about in the beginning, it just takes a village, Uh, you know, not just in the day-to-day taking care, but the influence, the positive influence. And I think back to those women that when my stage four cancer diagnosis um, came, I was there and those women, moms, even the dads too, are, were just, I, I remember some of those times so vividly. And again, I'll start to, to cry again, but I, mm-hmm. you know, Lucy and Megan and Lisa and like uh, so many of the moms. Um, and I know that I'm like forgetting more of them uh, just because I'm doing this off the top of my head with tears down my face. But um, I I thank you for just, I'm so grateful for them. And I wish I saw them on a a more, um, day-to-day basis, but, um, anyway, I'm going to toss it to you. So there is, I guess that's kind of three, right? That was a
1: big, that was a big list. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that's a, a wonderful list. I'm pretty close, pretty close with being grateful on similar topics. Actually, like I am so grateful for my school community. I haven't taught kindergarten in a few years and to go back, in the middle of a pandemic might have been a little crazy, but I needed to get out of the house and I just had this urge to be with children and serve in some way. And so whenever I take that step and try to, you know, serve others, it comes back to me like times 100. So I have this amazing school family at St. Paul and I'm just so grateful for my director and I have a co-teacher and a teaching assistant and they're just like a little cheerleading squad of support and love and it is really one of the best schools I've ever taught in so I'm super grateful for them I'm especially grateful to be with my family and everyone is relatively safe and relatively healthy they are teens with cars and you know i worry but everybody's health is good and we've all had our immunizations as of yesterday so the whole family the whole family is all set with the vaccine and then that brings me to my third um point yesterday we went to fairfield prep they had a vaccine um like in the gym they had this giant vaccine thing going on with the student nurses from Fairfield U and all these new nurses that went through the program. And it was like a really cool thing to see all these brand new healthcare professionals all suited up and excited to give vaccinations. And like it, it gives you the goosebumps because you're thinking like, wow, this 20-year-old is, has been risking her life working uh-huh. in the hospital at NYU the whole year. And then here she is volunteering to give shots for my son. And I just was like, you know, I am so grateful for you. And, you know, you living through this pandemic in the job that you do, like, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it, it it's just this moment when you're like, wow, you know, look at how everybody is helping and volunteering. And so, thinking of others that I'm so grateful for that too.
0: I mean, I'm, when you say that, it just opens up a whole nother conversation. When I think about for so long, I was isolated because of my compromised immunity. I w- didn't even go to a lot of my doctor's appointments. And then the mm-hmm. first time I went in, I mean, I know you, everybody who listens, know I'm a big crybaby. I cried everything, but it was so <laughs> overwhelming to me. The beauty the of seeing everybody, you know, in PPE gear or fully masked up, that were, you know, some volunteers at the hospital, some were the doctors and the nurses. And and so many people have risen to the occasion to help out and to be passionate about it, which I think... Is such a beautiful thing, but how
1: no, it really is. Um,
0: anyway, I am so I you know as we're sitting here and we're sharing these stories and my heart is so warm, which is why I love to talk about this. I'm thinking about how like oh my god, our school moms. I'm going to call them now and you know <laughs> Missy, Jody, and Jen, Jeremy, who were uh, in fact Jen, Jeremy is the the woman that when we walked in that first day when we brought our 16 week olds in to to daycare, it was that like proud parenting moment. And I'm bawling again. No one, uh, no one who's listening here is going to bat an eye at that. And Jen looks at me and smiles and says, "Really? Am I supposed to be crying that hard too?" And we laugh about it to this day, even though it's been years. But I have such fond memories, and and of all these mom friends that I've had, and those, you know, those women were some of my first mom friends because our kids. We're in daycare together. And now, listen, like you, Kimberly, are a mom friend in in a sense, too, because you're adding so much, you know, not just to this podcast, but, um, you know, to moms across not just the country, the world. That's the beauty of podcasting. So I thank you you for
1: the opportunity. It's been a great chat. I hope it's been helpful to your listeners. And where can people follow you if they want to reach out? Sure. So I'm. my website is KimberlyKingBooks.com. And I've been spending more time over on Instagram. And my uh, name over there is uh, Parenting. So at Parenting Safely.
0: Well, thank you. I will keep all this information, of course, in the show notes. So if you missed anything here, you can get them there. And again, Perfect. I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for being on this journey today. This is a topic I we haven't talked about yet. So I hope, I hope, I hope that, um, that we've been sensitive and we've been understanding. And listen, I am... Um, I think in some ways we're doing the best that we can, whatever hard topic that we are, whether we're talking about it here or we're dealing with it in life to be able to put one foot in front of the other, which is why I hope that both Kimberly provided some tools. And of course, um, if you're having a bad day or even a great day, whatever it might be, I encourage people to tap into a little bit of positivity or a little bit of gratitude because having that as a tool can oftentimes change your mood into a better one that will help you live the life that you want to live or, or find a little bit of joy during whatever journey that you're going on in life. So again, I'm sending out big hugs to everyone. Thank you so much for being here today and bye for now.
1: Take care.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first, a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us, too. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. I love hearing from listeners to get their feedback on various episodes, as well as to hear from them about tips that they may have on the various conversations that we touch upon. So please, I encourage you to reach out and share with us. Just go to at Pretty Wellness on Instagram, follow us, DM us, or comment, and we just can't wait to connect back with you. It makes our conversations so much more meaningful, not just for us, but for the community as a whole. So thank you. And I want to thank you for joining us again today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.